The Good Way has been and continues to be a journey for me personally and is one I'm excited to be inviting you to join me on. It's about providing an understanding of the scriptures to free you to know that you can choose to eat and live according to God's original design, even today in our modern society, and be in line with scripture and God's heart and intent, and receive God's blessing and benefits in your body and your environment and in your relationships. Last week, we talked about what our first foods what the Bible says, and what the science says. And I gave you five ways to start incorporating first foods into your daily eating. This week, we'll be looking at the journey our relationship with food has taken over time to lead us to the point today where we are so far separated from God's original intent. The good way is the journey home. Hi, I'm Jenna Jandro. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, a master herbalist, and an essential oil specialist. There are three things I've been passionate about since I was young and studied in depth. Health and nutrition, the environment, and the Bible. The good way is where these three come together. In Jeremiah 6.16 it says, This is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. The good way is about rediscovering the principles and plan God laid out for our blessing and benefit, and putting that plan into action. The good way is not about all or nothing thinking. It's about making choices. It's about choosing daily, moment by moment, to walk according to God's perfect plan for us, we won't always make the right choices. We won't always choose the right path, but we can always, always choose again. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. Welcome to The Good Way. The question for today is, why did our eating patterns change from whole food plant-based eating to eating meat, dairy, eggs, fish and poultry and from there to eating prepackaged and processed foods and pseudo-foods. To answer that, we need to go back to the garden, the Garden of Eden. When first man and first woman took and ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a tree God told them not to eat from, they stole knowledge that was not intended for them. Not because God was cruel or selfish, but because he intended for them to know only good. And in so doing, sin and, enter, and death entered into the world. When mankind took and ate that fruit, we got exactly what we stole. It was not what God wanted for us. What we got was the knowledge of both good and evil. And we need to understand here that knowledge comes through experience. To this point, they had experienced only good. They had known only blessing and life. The first foods God gave us in the beginning produced only good in our bodies. Because of our disobedience in the garden, God said, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you 
and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat your bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you will return. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. The, the direct result of man's sin was on their food, on the ground that it grew in, the effort required to obtain it, and the types of plants that would grow out of the ground. The result of the curse is that what was once available in abundance and obtained without effort, they would now have to work hard to obtain. But more significantly, where they had been able to eat all fruit yielding seed and all plants yielding seed and all green plants, they now had to exercise their stolen knowledge and learn to discern between the plants that would do harm and the ones that would do them good. Where it says thorns and thistles it shall grow for you doesn't just mean that they would have to weed their gardens. It actually refers to plants that can cause harm. Where they once only knew good from the plants they ate, they now could be harmed by eating the wrong plant. They had to learn the plants that were good and cultivate them. We, like first man and first woman, have to discern between the good and the harmful when it comes to what we eat. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. 1 Corinthians 10.23 The other major change that happened as a result of their sin can be seen in Genesis 3.21. Yahweh God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This is one tiny verse sandwiched between two other seemingly unrelated verses. But what is implied by it is very significant. The question to ask ourselves is, why? Why did God clothe them in garments of skin? He could have taught them to make cloth from the plant fibres and show them how to make clothes from that, expanding on their own efforts to cover themselves, but he didn't. Instead, he made garments of skin and he clothed them. Here we'll need to extrapolate from what we know of scripture to get a picture of what may have happened at this time. I want you to imagine, if you will, that you are first man and first woman. You have lived your whole life, your whole existence to this point, knowing only good. You've enjoyed the abundance of creation around you and spent your days caring for the very creation, the plants, the animals that were created for your pleasure and that you were given the responsibility for and stewardship over living in fellowship and communion with nature and each other and God himself. Now, for the first time, you have experienced shame and fear. For the first time, the sound of God walking in the garden doesn't cause you to joyfully run to him. Instead, you want to hide from his face. Sin has entered into the world and because of it, you can no longer look into the loving eyes of your creator. That sin had to be dealt with. If you are going to be able to come into his presence again, 
And as you watch, God, because he doesn't want you to die straight away, takes some of the animals that have been in your care and sacrifices them in your place. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 Next you watch as he takes those animals and prepares the flesh for sacrifice, pouring out the blood, removing the skins, dividing up the carcass and placing it on a fire to cook. And then, possibly, he takes some of the flesh and gives it to you to eat. The rest he allows to burn to ashes. Next, the skins from these, those creatures that have been in your care, he fashions into garments and he clothes you with them. You have gone from knowing nothing but good and experiencing only life and joy and fellowship with the creatures in your care to seeing firsthand the reality of death, seeing it for the first time, taking it into your body as you eat the flesh of the sacrifice and being clothed in death as he puts the garments made of the skin onto your body, realizing the fullness of the consequences of your disobedience, that it impacted not just you, but the whole of creation. The earth has been cursed because of you. The plants have become something to work for and to fear, and the animals have become a sacrifice in your place. All of creation has become subject to death and decay, including your body, because of your disobedience. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 So the effects of sin and the curse on man's eating were that the plants that they could eat were no longer growing in abundance around them because God sent mankind out of the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he, he was taken. Genesis 3.23 they had to learn to know which plants were good and which could cause harm and to propagate the good ones in fields for their own consumption. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. Genesis 3.18 And Yahweh has declared that your days will come to an end and that you will return to the dust from which you were taken. Genesis 3.19 Death, which to this point had only been a conceptual idea, was now an actuality. But although we know that animal sacrifices continued after this, and therefore there's the possibility that some meat was consumed, Abel's offering in Genesis 4.4 shows us that, the diet of mankind remained predominantly plant-based for the next nine generations. It wasn't until after the flood that God spoke again, about what would be food for us. He said to Noah, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant, only you shall not eat the flesh with its life, that is its blood, Genesis 9, three and four. It's interesting to note that unlike when God gave the green plants, this time he did not say that it was very good. The plants that God gave man as food produced only good in their bodies. 
as did the good plants that man cultivated after the fall. But the same can't be said for the animal proteins that God now gave to man as food. The sin condition of mankind had grown to such an extent that God declares, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. God then wiped out almost all the earth with the flood. And now he introduces meat into their diet. And I believe that it was a ver for a very specific reason. In 1 Corinthians 10.23, it says, All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Yes, God gave the flesh of all living things to man for food. Yes, it's permissible to eat meat, seafood, birds, and everything else. But is it beneficial? When we take a look at the lifespan of the 10 generations prior to the flood, when they were eating a whole food plant-based diet and compare them to those of the 10 generations after, after the introduction of animal protein into the diet, we see something very interesting. The average age of the 10 generations prior to the flood was 912 years. The longest lived being Methuselah at 600, oh, sorry, 969 years and the shortest lived being Lamech with seven, at 777 years. After the flood, with the introduction of meat into the diet, the average age drops to 317 years. With a steady declining longevity over the next 10 generations from Shem, Noah's son, who lived to 600 years, down to Abraham, who lived to be 175. In less than 400 years, the life expectancy dropped to one-fifth of what it had been for the previous 1,000 years. That's a very dramatic drop in life expectancy over a fairly short period of time. And it continued to drop from there. Now, I'm not presenting this to you as scientific evidence that the introduction of animal protein into our diet caused this dramatic decrease in life expectancy. To my knowledge, there have been no scientific studies done to confirm this one way or another, nor am I discounting any other factors that may have contributed to the decline. But I think you will agree that the correlation between God's declaration that mankind's lifespan would be 120 years, the introduction of animal protein into the diet, and the following decrease in life expectancy provides compelling food for thought. And when you add to this the scientific evidence available today that shows that those populations that eat higher rates of plant-based and whole foods have a greater longevity rate than those that eat higher levels of animal protein. Well, I'll let you draw your own conclusions. So we've gone from being able to reach out and eat any plant at all to having to work hard to propagate the plants. We have learned that it's safe for us to eat and eating them only after great effort on our part to having the option to eat any of the animals that move on the earth as well as the plants. And subsequently, our lifespan has dramatically declined after only a very short period of time. I'll say it again. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Since this time, there have been changes in eating 
based on religious prescriptions and prohibitions, as well as cultural variations in the types of food that are eaten. But the diet of mankind has remained predominantly the same until very recent history. It has been only been in the last couple of generations that there has been another dramatic change in the eating habits of particularly first world populations, but it's also creeping into developing countries as well. Moving from an agrarian system of producing and eating locally grown and raised meats and vegetables to an industrialized system of eating prepackaged and processed foods that have been raised in industrial monocultures, then shipped vast distances to be processed and packaged before being transported vast distances again to be warehoused and then shipped again to stores to be sold to the consumer. Food has become a commodity to be purchased and instantly available. Once again, we're living in a time when we can reach out and eat whatever we want, as long as we can pay for it. We're living in a false Eden. But like all counterfeits, it may look good, it may even smell and taste good, but the truth is, it is not produced for our blessing and benefit, but for long shelf life and high profit margins. For the first time in history, we have an epidemic in our populations of obese people who are simultaneously suffering from malnutrition and a generation so divorced from the food they eat that many are unaware of what a vegetable is, let alone that it grows in the earth or that the meat that they eat was once a living creature. To the point that the same people who can't go without their fast food hamburger will be offended at those who hunt seasonally to provide meat for their families and argue that if they want to eat meat, why don't they go to the supermarket where no animals have been harmed to provide it? And yes, that is a direct quote. For the first time in history, meals aren't eaten together as a family, but are eaten on the run as we go from one place to another or sitting at our desks at work. In losing the connection with our food, we have begun to lose connection with our families, our communities, and more significantly, we're losing our connection with our Creator God. Our journey so far has taken us from the Garden of Eden, where we knew only good and blessing and life, to the curse and death entering into the world, to the flood as a result of the sinfulness of mankind and the introduction of meat into our diets, and the reduction in lifespan, all the way to this false Eden we live in today. So now that we've recognized this false Eden, how do we extract ourselves from this industrialized, over-processed and packaged place we now live in? Is it even possible or practical to do so? Romans 12.2 says in the Passion Translation, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. It's not easy to go against the flow, to live deliberately and mindfully in a world of convenience and instant gratification, but it is possible. It takes planning and determination and strength of will. We won't always make the right choices, 
We won't always choose the right path, but we can always, always choose again. And it will be worth the results we'll see in our health, our environment, and our relationships with each other and our Creator God. Join me next week as we look at how we can make the journey back towards the Garden of Eden, the journey home, along the good way. Thank you for listening. I'm Jenna and this is The Good Way. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please leave a review. I'd love to hear how this podcast has impacted you. Or you can leave any questions you have. I'd be happy to answer them for you in future podcasts. And please share this podcast with your friends. You can take a screenshot of this page and share it to your social media pages or take a screenshot of your review and post that. If you'd like to help keep The Good Way on the air, you can support The Good Way on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the underscore good underscore way. I'm Jenna Jandro, walking with you on The Good Way.